Making the community a healthier place is always at the forefront of what we're doing at the Portage Health Foundation. And one of the ways we're doing that is with the PHF podcast. I'm Michael Babcock, and I host this podcast where we tell the stories of the people, organizations, projects, and events that are focused on improving the health of our community. From meeting the people behind the scenes at our farmers markets, understanding more about our local education, emergency services, nonprofit, or criminal justice systems, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Simply search Portage Health Foundation. Welcome back to Copper Country Today. I'm Grant Ducetta. My guest is Dan Jamison with the Calumet Theater Company. He is the new board president. And as Dan will tell you, it didn't happen too long ago. This segment brought to you by the Portage Health Foundation. Learn more about them at phfgive.org. So, Dan, exactly how long have you been theater company board president? I was elected to be chairman of the board and president um, three weeks ago. Before we get too far into that process, and I do want to talk about that, obviously, maybe we should talk about the uh, the email that came in late last night about Joe Nichols. Maybe you could give us some insight as to what's going on with that, and if you think that there's going to be a good chance that that gets rescheduled somewhere down the line. Um, we're on the phone with William Morris, who is the agent for uh, Joe Nichols. Joe can't make this thing work financially because he's had several dropout dates before and after. So to get his entire group up here, it's the same thing that they were talking about the other couple of times that they postponed it. Um, and I took a, a executive committee, the board of directors and Bethany to make a decision about how to do this. And the decision I made and then put out to the others for agreement was, you know what, we've held on to these ticket holders' money for several, many months. I think it's time right now, even if Joe is coming back, he said, you know, they may have a date sometime in the spring. Let's give everybody their money back right now and let them re-up for the ticket in the spring if they want to, if they can. Right? They may be somewhere else in the country. It didn't seem like a good idea just to say, he postponed it. Mm-hmm. So... Because the, I hadn't had much to do with the theater before the election. I just came out there with Jimmy Henrietti, who world's most dangerous polka band, to sit and see what the board was going to say, what members were going to say, what you know, what was the drama in Calumet. And so, I hadn't really looked into the history of this until, I guess, the day before yesterday, or yesterday rather, when we were informed. So. It was pretty clear that you know this was time to just stop and do something for the people that had bought tickets nine months ago. So what I did was I talked to Chad Bogram, who was going to be playing the opening act. Joe agreed to play an entire concert. Um, and I, as the theater, agreed to pay him for that. And the people that had tickets will have their refunds as soon as we can process it, but they will be invited on this night to sit in the same seats that they had booked for a free concert from Chad. Chad is an awesome guy. His music is incredible. I've heard him a couple of times around Houghton. Um, and in addition, then, you know, we asked William Morris Agency, hey, can you, can you do something to make the people who bought tickets in advance a little more comfortable that, they should still be fans of Joe Nichols. They're kicking it around today, but they thought that was an excellent idea because you know, fans dry up really quick if they get mistreated. Mm-hmm. 
So just to clarify, on November 5th, there will still be a concert at the Calumet Theater. It will just be Chad Borgen and the Collective rather than the headliner Joe Nichols as well. It will be free, and you are trying to work out a process so that if you had tickets for Joe Nichols, you can go to the Chad Borgen show without there being any type of hassle. You'll essentially be in the same seat as what you already had. Yeah, well, the order of that is more important. First of all, we're going to reach out to the existing ticket holders, and they will have, you know, the ability to sit. I haven't had a chance to figure out what other seats are available in the theater. Um, we have 700 total, and there's only about 300 sold. But I've got to talk about the logistics of how it's fair to let people in and in what order otherwise. Gotcha. I guess we could have a long line down the sidewalk, but we're, we're just trying to make sure nobody gets bounced on this one. Sure. And I don't know. You never know, especially come November, what the weather's going to be like. You might not want a long line down the sidewalk and tell you about No, no, on that, the that just seems like a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> and just to be clear, because you did mention it, but I want to reemphasize the point. The issue with Joe Nichols is not that he doesn't want to come. It's just that he had some dates before and after, say, in the upper Midwest. And now that those have fallen out, he can't make it work economically just to do the Calumet show. That is absolutely correct. He did give us a statement. You probably saw it in the email. I did, yes. Um, or the press release. Um, and the William Morris Agency absolutely echoed that. Uh, you know, they're in business to make fans happy. But stay in business, it has to work economically. Um, but what the William Morris Agency said, they represent a bunch of regional promoters and regional promoters have regional acts drop out all the time. And they were unaware that we would be willing to take regional acts at a moment's notice. Right? So say somebody can't get to Boston from here, come from Minneapolis to here and play here, or rehearse here, or you know, put a tour together here. Um, we're a working theater. Um, I've spent the last two weeks making sure that we had the technical talent to put up a show and run it. Um, and we were completely ready, are completely ready. And these guys pop in. Now we're not selling, you know, high price tickets for a show in December, you know, pitch to the wrong crowd. And I would assume given what the schedule looks like for this season, you already had the boy band review about two weeks ago, I believe Joe Nichols was supposed to be essentially the centerpiece. And then there was going to be one other show. And that was, pretty much it for the winter time. Now you have one of those legs of the stool drop out and you're probably looking to fill some dates. Well, I, I said, we're always looking to fill dates because having familiarized with myself with the mission statement over the past two weeks, uh, a lot, um, we want to keep the lights on inside or as long and as much as possible. So, you know, even doing, the school shows, the climate players are now interested in doing things with us. Um, simply doing tours or teaching workshops on how stagecraft used to work a hundred years ago. Um, that's kind of the promise that we are making to the village because as you've seen in the press, the village was concerned with whether or not we were fulfilling our mission. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's really easy to fulfill the mission if we're not swinging for the fence with high-priced acts, rather really good. And 
at a very good price. Um, and so seemed like a no-brainer to be able to do it. Uh, we have one leg of the stool drop out. Chad is an outstanding local act, and especially when it'll be for free. Um, got another number of other uh, bands that I've contacted, uh, just generally people that I knew from previous things that I've done. So we're going to get it up and running. Step one, though, was the transition phase from you know the, the annual meeting um, to make sure that we could deliver on what we promise. Right? I don't want a truck pulling up at the stage door and all of a sudden there's nobody on the inside with any kind of competency to put it together. Mm-hmm. Why don't you and, talk a little bit about the annual meeting and how you became involved to end up being elected the president of the board for the Calumet Theater Company. Was it something that you had your eye on in the weeks leading up to it? I know there was a group that was essentially organizing for change within the uh, board of directors for the Calumet Theater Company. Did they come to you and ask you to be involved? How did that work exactly? No. Um, like I said, Jimmy Enrietti, uh, the accordion player, he was up here. Um, he was mentioning that, hey, he might want to take a look at some of these. So that group had a Facebook page, for example. And then I found that they were um, going to have a meeting to talk about things generally at Red Jacket Media. So I stopped in because I happened to be uptown doing some shopping. And didn't commit because the theater uh, board at the time wanted resumes if you wanted to submit yourself as a candidate. Um, and I had pointed out I think to Jacob Mahelich, who was running the group, but I'm happy to help out. I've got a job. I work for a technology company in, in Norway, but I'm happy to help out. I've got about 40 years of, of theater experience, but I haven't auditioned for a theater job in 35 years. <laughs> I'm not going to start now. Somebody from the membership had asked a question of the board and would not let it go. That's when a policeman came along and escorted her out of the building. Um, that's when I thought maybe I could get involved. I didn't actually lean into anything. I was a write-in candidate. I didn't even write in for myself. But, you know, it, I had been around people and apparently looked into what I had done in the past in theater and wrote me in. Plain and simple. Um, and 20 minutes later, I was chairman. So, no, this wasn't something I was looking for. But... It's absolutely something that has to be done. My messages and emails and phone rang off the hook for the last two weeks of members coming back, rejoining, getting involved, volunteering and all that. And that's really what my goal was in, you know, accepting that nomination. So this all happened the night of the annual meeting. You went from being just, uh, I guess, an interested bystander to someone who is actively now involved in the organization. <laughs> and nobody was more surprised than me because <laughs> looking, looking around the room, this is a setup. <laughs> Are we about to hit a big chunk of ice? <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's it's a cool theater. I've been in there as a little kid. I went to the Tamboritzes with the family. Um, you know, I've, I've done and seen other concerts, and it's a very, very cool building. But, no, I, had, I have a full dance card nonetheless with everything else I'm up to. 
And since you've been involved, I've seen you at a couple of Calumet Village Council meetings, not just the standard ones, but also the the work sessions. So I know that you're trying to restore that relationship with the village. Maybe you can kind of go over what it is exactly. Is it essentially landlord-tenant, or is there more to it than that? There's Yeah, there's way more to it. The uh, focus is on landlord-tenant because, you know, I had, I had talked— um, Previously, about you know, we're not putting on any shows, haven't done anything of any particular magnitude or interest for some period of time. And that was my goal was to convince, especially Amber, the new village manager, um, that no, we're not only just in this for our mission, but I'm going to send her pictures, for example, if I find something leaking into a bucket, which to me is controlled, I still want her to know of everything I come across in the building because I walk it every couple of days. And that's my commitment to the village that this magnificent structure that they own is not going to have any issues, you know, come up or undiscovered. You know, even going in there with a garden hose and climbing up 40 feet up to the proscenium to drain the trash can, that's what you do. It's just how you preserve that type of stuff. Um, about a year ago, um, I was appointed by the secretary of the interior to the advisory commission for the park service. And that's when I had kind of sort of heard a number of things just generally because the park service was concerned with the structure. The meeting that Wendy Davis was at, um, was the one where she had announced that they had committed the, some money to have. QP architects and engineers come in and survey the entire structure. So, you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of things that we can pull together. And again, I volunteered to also help them, you know, restructure the, the lease because the lease was simple and didn't serve the purposes of either party. But now it's going to be more of a partnership agreement than a lease. Uh, that way, you know, we have obligations to come in and tell them if we notice something backstage up in the loft and then we'll suggest you know people that can come in and and fix it if there's you know relays that are are broken or things like that it's a working relationship now instead of theater people running around and, and trying to handle these things themselves or the village not even being aware of it so that's that's why i'm going to continue to go with those because they may have a question that pops up what are you guys going to do next what have you seen what's what's working what's not I can there there answer that in real time. As far as your responsibilities when operating the theater, outside of noticing something and then trying to arrange maintenance, are you actually on the hook for the budget for that, or does that fall on the uh, the village's side of things? Well, that's where it's important to remember that a partnership also means that as a five hundred one c three in a historic theater we can write for grants to replace things or to repair things or to redo things. And as I said, the Wendy Davis from the park has already commissioned a survey of the entire building to let us and the village know what we should be concerned about. Some things can be written with historical grants. Some can be written for theater grants. Some, you know, my goal is to not have to make the village expend what are fairly scarce funds for the village at this moment. 
And do you have any idea as far as that process? Because I know that there's been at least a couple walkthroughs now. Do you have any idea what they're finding, or are they not going to release the uh, actual results until probably closer to December or January? Yeah, I think their target was uh, late November, December. I don't want to speak for them, but um, there was a a preliminary walkthrough before I was even paying attention, but we, we heard that at the advisory commission meeting. Um, and then the full-blown architects and engineers one where I went through with them so that I could see what they were seeing um, and just be aware for my own uh, knowledge and edification as to what, what they might be encountering and then help the village act on anything that would happen. Um, again, the bigger issues, I think, for us as an operating theater are how do we get an effective heating plant back in there. Um, but there's other concerns and, and other things like that, and I'm not going to be the one to pick. I just want to make sure we have acts and entertainment coming on the stage. You mentioned that you want to try and get uh, perhaps even some lessons, some stagecraft lessons, and the Calumet players perhaps involved as well. It really sounds like you want to make this a community gathering spot again. Oh, it absolutely is the best place in Calumet for that. Um, you know, there are other sites and so forth. That if, for example, if they want to bring a, a group of kids through, I can teach a, a course in theater craft, or we can just have a back box where there's a table up there where somebody is telling a story. You know, I sit around some of these guys that are telling stories, and Mark Dice, who's also a board member, is willing to tape them. So that we have a history of these things. People can sit in the audience and hear these guys tell stories of things that happened 80, 90 years ago. We're not going to have access to that kind of information for much longer. Let's start capturing it at the theater. So it, it's not only a community space, but also a workshop. Um, and again, a show place. When you have a world-class theater like the Rosé Center, about 12 miles away, obviously it's backed by Michigan Tech, which gives it some advantages, and it's a little bit bigger than the Calumet Theater. Are you trying to appeal to the same clientele, or do you want to do something different with the Calumet Theater and have it mean something different to the Capra Country and the people who might be interested in seeing some shows there than what, say, the Rosé is doing? Well, that's an interesting question, because I think there are some overlapping missions, right? We're particularly happy to host some fairly high-level entertainment. Edgar Winter played here some years back. Um, but unlike the Rose Center, we're a 120-year-old house, hemp house, and there's a history of the building. There's only three of them in the park service, Wolfcraft and Ford Theater are the other two. Um, and we have an opportunity to show people why you can put on modern shows in an old building like this, because the people that architected these theaters architected them as machines. You can do anything in there to present any act. Rosé Center is a new modern thing. It's down in, in Houghton, pulls in a fair number of the, the tech students and so forth, but you can't go in there and learn how a 120 year old theater worked. You can come in there and you can, it's the same as, in any major arena in any major city, we're not competing with, you know, with the arenas in Detroit or Lansing or over in Minneapolis. We're doing stuff here. We can attract 
bigger X from the outside because the bigger X also want to have some downtime in play. I, you know, we talked to William Morris. They've got a number of, of tours out now, and they were asking me about our snowmobile trails. Um, <laughs> I'm also on the board of the, the uh, trail services. We have 100, uh, 200 miles of trails up here. Bring a band up here, bring the road crew up here, and do the show, and that will set you up at the American Inn and get you on a sled. I looked on the website, and I noticed that you still have the Texas Tenors listed as an event, and it looks like tickets are about $50, which isn't too far off from what the Joe Nichols tickets were going for. Is that the, I guess, the price point that you're looking for? Is that what makes sense, given the size of the theater, to be able to pull off shows? I haven't had a a chance to do price sensitivity, but I think I would like to try and figure out a way to get them for less. I would rather have a full house of cheaper tickets than a half house of slightly more expensive ones. Numbers just work out better. Um, And again, you know, do we do member discounts? Do we do, you know, do we support certain things as a theater with a grant to get people to come in and watch a high cost show? Um, Or do we work more with the artist and their their respective agencies? William Morris was, was perfectly happy to as pricing and all of that, had it been more convenient on the tour, we would have gotten for less. But the worst thing we can do is have midsummer pricing for winter shows. We just don't have those people up here in the winter that, you know, they haven't come up from Chicago or from Milwaukee or from Minneapolis. We have people here that are willing to come and see a lot of shows, but not at those prices. I want to get those guys into the place. Mm-hmm. What is the uh, kind I, of the uh, the economical, re- <laughs> excuse me, relationship between, say, uh, venue and artist right now? I would assume, given what we had going on for a couple of years almost, that they really want to make things work, even if the the um, the upfront that they would normally get it might not be there. They want to be out there in front of live audiences again. Are you getting some interest at a price point that maybe you weren't getting before the pandemic? Yeah, that's really not new behavior because the artists are making their their real money on sales of, of music that they make and record. And the tours themselves are just a way to make more people aware that they may have new material or that you've forgotten to get some of the old material. Um, so this is more of a, a marketing activity for them. And in fact, in, in some riders, there's a there's a component that says, you know, if we have to do a recording or if something else comes up, um, we will have to cancel. And we have to understand that in some cases, maybe we can talk to them at a much discounted upfront fee in the event that they're actually releasing an album. The ticket sales doesn't pay maybe 10% of what the band makes every year. Dan Jamison from the Calumet Theater Company, thank you for joining me on Copper Country Today.